folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello and welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Bessie Glover. Me, the resident Formula One geek, Christian Hugill. Certified by Crofty <laughs> F1 geek, Christian. Certified geek. You impressed him last week on the podcast. Have you come <laughs> down from that high? No, I think next time I hear him bring out a brilliant stat in the middle of a sort of race start, I'll be like, he gave me a nod and I'll just feel that inner satisfaction on a Sunday afternoon, more so than ever before. And this is team principal Greg James, and uh, we have a fantastic guest lined up on today's episode, an international megastar, and most importantly, racing and car enthusiast. So Crofty then, the modern voice of F1. Betty, we were so sad that you missed the episode. Were you sad listening to it back? I was, you know. I, 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 First of all, I was sad when you were recording because on our WhatsApp group, you were all just like, oh my God, this is amazing. That was brilliant. That was magical. And I was sat on a plane <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, I'm missing like one of the best episodes. And it genuinely was one of our best episodes, apart from this one we're about to start recording because I think this is going to be the best episode. No pressure everybody so for those who don't know this podcast is all about bringing the world of f1 to you and all the elements of it we regularly have the drivers themselves co-hosting we've had uh, your alex albons your lando norris's your max verstappen's your george russell's your lewis hamilton's the teams around them toto wolf we've had him we've had randy the incredible race strategist from mclaren emma and katie in the garage at williams fans all over the world report back to us as well there are eyes and ears on the ground at the various races that they've been to we've also had eurovision royalty sam Ryder co-hosting when we're at silverstone And now I feel like it's time with this podcast to branch out even more. Let's see where we can get to. The sky's the limit with this. Scraping the barrel. No, Nick, Nick, no, no, not yet, Nick, no. (laughs) Ruining your own big (laughs) build-up. Exactly, exactly. So we we like delving into the world of Formula One and all the people that surround it and orbit it, you know, like Martin Brundle does on the grid walks and stuff. Today, we have a guest who is one of my favourite guests I've ever had on The Breakfast Show. One of my favourite people to watch on television and on the silver screen. Please welcome to the Fast and the Curious, Nicholas Holt. Hey! Woo! Thank you for having me. Yeah! <laughs> what a build up. Nick, welcome! Oh, that was very nice. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. How are you all doing? Yeah, we're good. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I haven't been doing a lot, to be honest with you. I've kind of just been on strike, I suppose. I've been at home. I'm just kind of waiting until it's all over because I was I was kind of halfway through shooting a film um, when it happened. So so now I'm on on pause essentially. Well, this is kind of perfect for us because we really want to park your acting career for now. As fans of it, though we are, um, you're on you're part of the ongoing writers' strikes and the actors' strikes, and of course we were we are fully in support of it and respectful of it here. Yeah, but. I know that you're a huge fan of F1. You're a fan of motorsport in general. You love driving fast cars very fast. And so we thought it would be a really nice opportunity to get you on Fast and Curious. You can nerd out. You can just, you can indulge that hobby of yours and, and those passions of yours, yeah. I guess. Well, actually, you know what? We should, we should actually go back for a second because the last time I was on your show, we called up Nick Cage and we ended up speaking about cars on the show then. And I remember he was up at like three o'clock in the morning 
uh, I think he was looking at, it was a, a, pre, a Studebaker president or something was the car that he was looking at. Yes. I, I can now report that he did buy one, not that one that he was looking at at the time, but he got a different one oh. off of eBay and he sent, he sent me <laughs> photos of it and videos of it. It's in that like bright yellow car, color that he was looking at. <laughs> um, so he did, he did get wow. the car. Yeah, there was this bizarre moment where we called Nicolas Cage and Nick asked him what he was doing and he went, Oh man, I was just up surfing some web. <laughs> that was it. He he's a big car guy as well because he I think he had a I think he owned a Ferrari F40 for a little while, but I think he was telling me that he, he was on a track and crashed it. It might have been oh, the streets of Willow or Willow Glen. Um, I think he stopped racing after that, from what he told me. To loop Christian in on this chat and loop, loop it back to Formula One. Sorry, the Ferrari F. Do you say F40? He did. Yeah, F40. Yeah, F40. Nigel Mansell famously had one of those, Christian. Did he? I think you know if you've got the same car as Nigel Mansell, you're doing fine, aren't you? Like an all-time great. <laughs> also, Nigel will be pleased, won't he? Because I can't help but notice the moustache coming back into fashion. It always comes back around. And Nigel never really got rid of his. So it's, it's, it must be a good time to be Nigel Mansell. I think it's probably always a good time to be Nigel. <laughs> Can we just do a little bit of um, your car history? So give us the first car you ever sat behind the wheel of. And what was the car that got you into things that move fast on four wheels the first car i ever sat behind the wheel of was probably my parents had a land rover discovery that's not a bad first car nick jesus you're doing well there no it wasn't my first car that's the car that they had <laughs> my parents had my first car was a, a fiat punta oh. but i technically kind of almost drove the discovery because at one point my mum broke her shoulder and she couldn't do the gears so she would do the clutch and whoever was sitting passenger, whichever kid was sitting passenger, would have to change the gears for her. So that was kind of, I guess, where I learned to do manual. But yeah, Fiat Punto was the first first car. But I guess the F1, love of F1 started. You might, Christian, you'll be able to tell me what year it was probably. But I remember watching a lot with my dad when I was a kid. And it was it was kind of the Mika Hakkinen and Michael Schumacher battle was at its height. Nick, I noticed that we're pretty much the same age. And that was my era of getting into it as well. Right. So, I, so Mika Hakkinen won in 98 and 99 and they're the first seasons I vividly remember watching and then the the, the Micah and Michael battle carried on into 2000 when Michael won so you were probably between 98 and 2000 yeah that sounds about right when I yeah when we we're like not eight nine ten ish those were what I vividly remember I remember the time that Michael Schumacher was very mad at David Coulthard and went to the garage to punch him about something. Um, I, got, I don't know what the incident was, but do you remember that? I remember it very well. I think it was 1998 Belgian Grand Prix, I think, which was rain affected. Someone will tell me if I've got this wrong, but there's famous pictures of David Coulthard and Michael Schumacher had a bump on the track. Schumacher stormed down from the Ferrari garage into the McLaren garage and sort of aimed to throw a punch at David Coulthard and Murray Walker, the legendary Murray Walker, his commentary being, oh, this is quite terrible. Nick, we've got spookily similar memories because that was one of my earliest memories as well. Again, like, oh my God, this sport's mad. You don't get enough driver punch-ups nowadays. That's something we need to bring back. And also I remember kind of thinking as well that he had his helmet on. Coulthard still had his helmet on, right? So I was like, yes. that's going to hurt your hand more than it's going to hurt him. Yeah. Don't hit someone with a helmet on. We definitely need some of that drama now though, don't we? Because instead we've got Lewis Hamilton and Oscar Piastri hugging. The drama. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, this is the thing, though. We have talked, I mean, I'm with Betty here because we, we've talked a little bit before about 
it actually, if you were to sabotage one thing about F1, it would make it interesting in the race. So we we talked about maybe Mm. just somebody just goes and trashes Max's car overnight and things like that. There's like just a little, just a little bit of drama every now and then just to spice yeah. it up. Well, I feel like the, 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 the closest it got to that was like two seasons ago when, when Max and Lewis were really going at it. Well, what do you make of this season, Nick? What do I make of it? Yeah. Cause you know, there are a lot of people that are watching it and they're like, Oh God, it's a bit boring. Well, I have to, I, okay. So I have to be honest and maybe people will hate me for this, but I'm not really a Max fan. Um, that's okay particularly okay that's fine so like the race last weekend i did kind of end up like i was excited that ferrari were the season before either last season or the season before when it seemed like they might be back in the hunt and then they kind of just had a terrible year of like team management and decision making mm. but the car was quick i was so excited that they were doing well again um because that's who i've been kind of training to race with with ferrari so i was happy to see them doing well and now i just feel like to be honest, when I saw Max take the lead and I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Uh, so I kind of am not as tuned in because of it, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm quite honest. I'm happy to see Alonso doing well, though, because I think he's always been one of the, the best drivers on the grid. Well, look, as you're talking about Ferrari, should we talk about your, oh, Ferrari friends? <laughs> so you've been, you've been training with them, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I don't want to segue too much from, from the F1 chat, but I have been training with them, yeah, for like the last couple of years. And the plan is to do the Ferrari Challenge. <gasps> What's the Ferrari Challenge? It's their own manufacturer race, essentially. So it's all all the same car drivers get put in and then race. And they do it. They do it in Asia. They do it in Europe and North America. So I did like my first race weekend with them last year. It was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it was at Sonoma Raceway, and I wasn't in the race. I was just lapping. So I think I've got to just get more seat time and practice more. But that's why. So I've got to set up. <laughs> I'll show you this. I've got a little racing rig set up. Oh, my God. Oh. So that's my little sim that I've been practicing. Uh, Greg James is going to be jealous. At the moment. Oh, no, wait. Stop. I want to see that. More pan pan right, please. Pan right okay. again. I need to see more of this. So that's, well, you can see, like, that's the little the seat and the wheel and the pedal set up. But it's actually set up at the moment for my little boy because he's he's figured that if he puts a beanbag in the back and moves the pedals all the way up, he can actually drive it. <laughs> <laughs> so he he drives it like next to the wheel like this and he can drive he does all the gears and everything he's only five but he can he can drive it are you training the next world champion then are you is that what you're doing is that your plan <laughs> that's it it's in, it's intense over here when i earlier when i was like i'm just taking some time off i quit acting to become one of those like intense sports dads force him into it <laughs> you're a proper sport dad live my dreams this is fantastic so let me just take take us back to the ferrari challenge and everything so you are properly trained racing driver what are the th- things that surprise you? you said it was terrifying because it i mean it kind of is terrifying from the outside you go that's terrifying but you're sitting in the car what does it what does it feel like what's what's a what's a sort of race day like it was honestly overwhelming at first because i'd never you know suddenly even to get in and out of the car is is difficult <laughs> <laughs> and then you get in and there's just so many switches and and the harness and everything and you're kind of buckled in it's a lot of information coming at you very quickly and you're just out of your comfort zone, obviously. So that, that's all a little bit overwhelming. Mm. And then whilst you're lapping, you also got people talking in your ear. So, you know, you've got people warning you about faster drivers coming up or, <laughs> or things on the track or whatever that is. And, and then you've also got your steering wheels flashing with colors, depending on if your lap's going well or not. It's like telling you how far down you are on time and how far, or if you're up on time as well. Really? When it's going well, it's the most beautiful thing because it's kind of a little bit of, a flow state where it's just input output 
I guess the really fun thing is there's very clear markers of how well you're doing. So you'll come back in and they'll say, right, we've looked at the, the data. Obviously, this is the time you've got, but we can tell you're losing it here because you broke three meters too early, but you also broke with like 10% more pressure than you should have done. It gives you a whole new respect for what these guys are doing in F1. I mean, because obviously everyone's like, oh, the, the car's like, this person's got this car and whatever. But when you come down to like the ability of those drivers, particularly when you like see what they're seeing, like I've done it I've just on this sim where you sit down and all you see is like this much out of the car. <laughs> yeah, it's insane what they do. But Nick's given such racing insight there because we hear banded about in F1 all the time, like, ah, oh, well, the, the teams will have the driver's data. So we talk about, I don't know, for example... Is Logan Sargent going to keep his seat at Williams? Is uh, Yuki Tsunoda going to keep his seat at Alpha Tauri? That's what they're looking at. Is, you know, Logan consistently breaking at the right point, losing him ultimate speed at the very top end of the corner? So all those things that Nick's going through with his team, this translates throughout all of racing. So, Nick, you're living my dream of being a racing driver because not only did we get into F1, at the same time with the sort of 98 to 2000 season. But as soon as Nick said Ferrari challenge, my eyes lit up because I used to play on Dreamcast. Dreamcast, not a thing anymore. Showing my age, the Ferrari <laughs> F355 challenge, an iconic video game on the Dreamcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. And you're doing it in real life. You're just living out every sort of F1 boy and little boy and girls fantasy. I, I'm just sick with jealousy, but delighted for you. It's amazing. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking it for granted. I'm trying to, you know, focus and, and like when I can get out and practice in go-karts. I just find that the go-karts, when I'm in those, I find it a lot easier to push to the limit because the consequences of anything going wrong are pretty minor. Yes. Whereas with the challenge car, I'm like, <laughs> I can't really afford to replace this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but then I don't want to overstep the limit of my capabilities too soon and so i'll start like start getting into some more again now i've got a little break from filming but um we, we're trying to make a documentary with um oh, we actually so cool. excitingly just got this great filmmaker involved that i don't think i'm allowed to say at this point or allowed to talk about but we're trying to make a documentary essentially um i guess documentaries you are allowed to talk about because <laughs> they're not scripted i don't know i'm gonna stop talking <laughs> as long as you're not playing the role of nicholas holt then i think you're fine <laughs> You might be quite good at driving cars now, but I understand you weren't always, you know, you haven't always had so much success in a car because I read this story about, um, a pretty incredible story actually, about how you were dressed up as a Spice Girl on the oh. way to a house party. Yeah, yeah. Although that wasn't, it wasn't actually me driving. It was my, be my best mate, George. Oh. So we, had, we were going to a 90s scene birthday in Nottingham. And we'd got like, I don't know, halfway there and we decided that we wanted to turn up as the Spice Girls, not get changed when we got to the party. So we stopped <laughs> at a service station and all went into the gents and put on, I was, I was Posh Spice and I had like a velour dress. And at the time I was filming a movie that I had extensions, hair extensions for. So I actually had like long brunette hair extensions already. Oh, but then we got, we got to Nottingham. <laughs> And we'd stopped for pizza and whatever. And, and, and the people that weren't driving and had a couple of beers. And then my mate who was driving, George, he kind of missed the, one of the turnings, decided to try and reverse left around this corner to, to where the party was. I don't know why, seemingly floored it. 
<laughs> and then crashed backwards into a lamppost. Uh, and all this stuff in the car just went oh flying. The radio came flying out. I was in the passenger seat that like broke backwards from our way. And we oh. weren't in like the nicest part of Nottingham as well. And we all had to get out of the car in, in our Spice Girls gear whilst <laughs> everyone was like passing down the high street watching these guys who had just reversed into a lamppost full speed and crashed. <laughs> It was one of my more, more, more memorable crashes. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, well, there are quite a few double takes. I mean, because you've been you've been quite famous for quite a long time now, Nick. So surely some people are like, I, it looks like... There was only double takes, people thinking it was Victoria. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit was George, who was driving, got out of the car. And at first, we, none of us wanted to get out. Because we were like, oh, we're in these dresses. And everyone's watching, we <laughs> want to get out. And he's out of the car looking at the damage. And he's obviously stressed because he just crashed his car. And then he's screaming, he's going, pass me my Jackie Bottom, pass me my Jackie Bottom. <laughs> Fast Girls and Spice Girls drag sounds like my ideal night out. That's the, that's the Christmas party. Yeah. It needs to be. When you're, when you're driving around now, Nick, are there, do, you, do you get many double takes from people who look across at the traffic lights and go, sorry, what? Do you get much of that? Not too much, to be honest with you. I, mean, I actually did happen the other day where a guy turned at the traffic lights and he was like, rolled down the window and I was like, hey, he was like, hey, saw that film. And I was like, oh, cool. And then it was a nice interaction. He was like, good work, keep it up. And I was like, yeah. And then, and then we chatted about, he was, he was doing construction at a house nearby and he, I was like, oh, how's that going? And he was like, good, it's a long project and, uh, and we're going to stay in touch. <laughs> Excellent. That's, that, that's what you hope from a Nicholas Holt, the traffic light kind of interaction. That's nice. <laughs> Should we go back to F1? What have I missed from being, from being a little sour person, not tuning in so much? What is the drama? Because this is the fun thing now about F1 is everyone's watching Drive to Survive. So you can have kind of pretty decent conversations with everyone about the sport now. Mm. I think what you've missed, Nick, is I suppose history, really. Because if, if you're not a Max fan, like you say, and, I, and that's fine. We're all, you know, fans of a certain driver, and not others. That's the way of the world. That's all fine. Yeah. But I think I've just sort of come around to the fact of, oh, it's not boring. It's actually... So it's just really spectacular, you know, like when you're watching Roger Federer on centre court or when you're watching Messi toy with an opponent like a cat. It's sort of like got to that stage of like, oh, wow, they're really bloody good, aren't they? This is quite special to watch. Yeah, yeah, true. So I have to, yeah, basically I have to accept that it's good at the time as opposed to in 10 years time when I watch the documentary about it and I'm like, oh, that was amazing. (laughs) I just have to switch and enjoy it now, don't I? This is it. It's on me. What other drama is there on the grid? Well, one of the things we've loved is following some of the rookies this year. So getting Oscar Piastri on one of the first episodes yeah. and then being really invested in this, in this newbie from Australia. And then, oh my God, he's driving really yeah. brilliantly and really competitively. His pace is really good. And then yeah. you're, just, you're just invested. I guess that's kind of what the Drive to Survive thing does as well. But because we knew them early doors, we're really rooting for... For those for those guys to to do well because we know how difficult it is. Well, that was the fun drama as well, where he where we were, he was potentially going to be at Alpine and they announced him and then he was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Did anyone well, ever get to the bottom of that? What, what was that? What, what, what happened there? Yeah. What happened there, Christian? Well, slightly controversial, but I I would suggest that maybe Alpine's indecision over whether they wanted Fernando Alonso in that seat or Oscar Piastri combined with Oscar's contract as a reserve driver not being as watertight as it should be in that leading to being a race driver should they want him to be so, maybe the the two combined created the perfect storm of McLaren opportunistically going, well, hang on a minute, if you can't decide between Fernando and Oscar and 
Oscar's a reserve driver but hasn't actually signed on the dotted line yet, well, we'll take him because we'll, we think he's pretty special. And again, you talked about the documentary in five, ten years' time. There's a strong chance that when the documentaries come out about Oscar's career, they'll be full of this season because I've, I've these guys will back me up. I've said it from minute one that I think we've got a superstar on our hands. I think the way he's come in and matched up to Lando is sensational. And I think this will be the year of not only will the documentaries look back on the Max era and go, that was something else. Because as Crofty said, it won't it won't last forever. And when it doesn't, it probably be, won't be repeated again. And there's not all that often you get rookies come in like Oscar in the modern era. Of, and Nick mentioned earlier about his testing time and seat time. They get so little of that coming into F1 now that I think Oscar Piastri's emergence is a real big story of this season and something we'll remember 2023 for for a long time to come. How long's his his contract in the past? Is it is it watertight? <laughs> have you have you looked at it? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go over it with a fine tooth comb. I think it's a 2-year contract. So I know he's definitely there next year. Uh but I will double check that but my my prediction I'll do some fact checking you talk amongst yourselves but I think well, <laughs> it's a 2-year contract. Well the other thing I was going to say is that in my head, it's sort of Max Verstappen and the Red Bull story is the thing that's just sort of going to happen and, and nailed on. Right. But there are some really interesting battles down below in the mid-table and, and down at the bottom. But as Oscar Piastri has been one of them. But the other one you mentioned, Nick, is, is Fernando Alonso. So yeah. do, do you have a favourite current driver? Fernando, you know, interestingly, Fernando, I went to a race years ago. And I asked one of the one of the team members, I can't remember which team it was at, but I said, like, come on, give me the lowdown. Who's actually the best driver? If you gave them all the same car, who's actually the best? And back then, this was a few years back now, the person said that if they were all in the same car, they believed that Fernando would probably get the most potential out of the car. He was like, it was very close at that point between Fernando and Lewis, but he was like, I think Fernando just about pips it. Really? Um, so I like seeing him come back and, and do well. Uh, I think that's the widely held opinion for people I've spoken to in F1 is, as well who say that Fernando is special, but maybe hasn't always throughout his career put himself in the right place at the right time. So Lewis's decision to go to Mercedes was obviously a total masterstroke, but that's a really widely held belief that he's like the driver's driver. And just while I'm on... Uh, I was right, by the way, everyone. Two-year contract for Oscar Piastri at McLaren is what's rep- widely reported. They like to keep these things a little bit secret, but the gossip suggests two years. So, yeah, that's good. But, no, I, I agree with you, Nick. I think I think that's a, a, a very widely held view with Fernando. I wonder whether if Fernando was in a Red Bull car, he would be better than Verstappen then. At this point, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Well, we, we will never know, but that car is so... in, And Nick will be able to shed light on this being a racing driver, but you've got to feel so at one with the car. If you're not comfortable with its setup and you feel like it's getting away from you, whereas that Red Bull and Max's driving style marry together so perfectly. So I think it would be close, super close. Yeah. Because did you see these comments, was it last week that Lewis said that he, Lewis mentioned, I'm a big Lewis fan, by the way, I wish, I, I kind of do wish he'd won his eighth championship and still hope he does. But did you see his comment about how his teammates have always been, I don't know exactly how he worded it, but higher calibre essentially, as opposed to Sergio with, with Max, which I, which Sergio is a great driver, but you guys can then discuss <laughs> that. I don't want to get in hot water. It was Toto's comments that they came from Toto Wolf, I think. I like a bit of that, though. I, I like how everyone is slightly negging on Red Bull. I mean, they'll probably love it because they're the top dogs and you've got to try and 
if you if you shoot the king, you got to kill the king. And I, I don't know if those little catty comments. I mean, Lewis did say something. Toto Wolf has said something similar. I saw that uh, Zach Brown said a similar thing <laughs> this week as well. Yeah. Mm. I think it's a slightly harsh comment because you look at Ma- Max has been teammates with Carlos Sainz at what was is now Alpha Tauri. We know Carlos's caliber. Max has been teammates with Alex Albon. He's been one of the stories of this season. He's a top-tier driver. Max has been teammates with Daniel Ricciardo in, in the moment where Daniel's career was sort of top form. So I'm not sure I entirely agree. But like Greg says... The thing is, it's not only mind games. When eventually there is a car that is as quick as the Red Bull, what the other teams need to do is do exactly what Max did to Lewis. Get under the skin a little bit. Play the mind games. Get your elbows out on track. Announce your announce your intentions. So I don't hate that they're doing that. I think it's quite good fun. But as Greg says, you've got to kill the king. And at the moment, they're um, battling with both hands tied behind their back because that car is just unbeatable. What are your teammates at Ferrari like, Nick? Which is a mad sentence. <laughs> Carlos Sainz is great. Uh, Charles Leclerc is putting the <laughs> Yeah, you get, also funny because you, you're very kindly calling me a racing car driver, which each time you say it, I kind of go, not really, but okay, thanks. Um, Nick, you, Nick, you've got a bloody sim in your room, mate. You are a racing car driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it depends. It's a, it's a real mix of people. It's, you know, it's some people who have like always had passion for driving. It's other people who have done well in business and that's become their thing where they've like sold a company and they're like, you know what, that's, I just want to go racing now. So it's a real mix of people. The thing is that they, they all have a, a real passion for it and a dedication to it. Some of the, they're, and they're very nice. One of the guys, he was like, hey, I've got a spare car if you want to ever take that out. And I was like, again, great sounding offer. <laughs> the, the stress of driving someone else's car and knowing that something goes wrong. It's a burden. I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to go round in third. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. You know what? The, 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 the dream with it all is basically, uh, I don't know if you've seen that Fassbender, Michael Fassbender did Le Mans last year and the year before. Mm. And I figured out that I think the 100th year of Le Mans is like in seven years or so. So my aim, if I can do it, is to try and keep progressing and get to Le Mans centennial race. so fun. Well, well, one of my dreams is to go and watch the 24-hour race. And you're all invited if I make it. You're all invited. Yes! (laughs) Oh, we we are there. We're there. We are there already. Hold you to that. I would love to go. Yeah, if you want to go watch the race one year, I'd like to just go watch it anyway because it seems like it'd be a really fun Yeah, me too. The the only thing I've done similar to that was... I, I watched a 24-hour race at the Nürburgring a few years ago. Oh, how is that? That was sensational. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's it's a, like a really wild, like actually wild festival. You know, Glastonbury, everyone's like, oh my God, it's so wild. No. <laughs> really? They bring sofas and they make platforms so you can get a good view of the circuit. It's really loose, but in a really fun way. It's amazing. And terrifying as well, because you suddenly just hear these cars screeching through the forest. Wow. I really want to go there. Have you seen there's a video of someone lapping Nürburgring in the rain at night? Yes, I've seen it. It's called like Rain Dance Nürburgring or something. And it is the most terrifying like on onboard camera I've ever seen. Yeah, My algorithm just sends me lots of videos of cars going fast or crashing around the Nürburgring. Yeah, <laughs> the, onboard, the onboard stuff's really useful. I normally try and find a good video of a track that I'm going to and watch right. other people do it and like kind of pretend to drive along. Nürburgring is a difficult one. I can't imagine ever being able to know that track well enough to go around it. Too long. You said that you've got 
a lot of learning to do. Have you ever got any advice from any Formula One drivers or anything? I haven't. I think it would almost be an impossible question. Do you know what I mean? When someone's that good at something, for someone to ask, like, oh, got any tips? For them, it would be like, we can't even talk. I can't even talk to you in terms of like, the ability you're at and then the things you need to learn and to do <laughs> i'm so excited for your for your racing career it's it's uh, it's a really fun thing and it's and it's so interesting to hear how seriously you're taking it as well yeah i think i think, I think you have to take it seriously to to have any chance of being yeah. half decent i think but it's draining i mean it's physically exhausting you must be knackered when you've done a a session yeah the long, the longest stint i've done is is 40 minutes I did get out and I was like, I, yeah, I did feel probably the most tired I've ever been physically and mentally. The heart and the, just the, the level of concentration that you're trying to work at. Yeah. There are similarities to acting, I guess, within it at times. In what way? Sort of the, the prep and the concentration levels in, in what way? The, the prep and, yeah, there's, there's a certain amount of preparation that you can do. And then hopefully in the moment, the track would be the, the script. And, <laughs> and then, you know, you're watching the other person or the other people in the scene and you're seeing what they're doing and then you're reacting to it. So it's kind of, in some ways, there are similarities where it's, you know, that focus of, of watching what's going on around and then knowing that what you're meant to do and, and outputting that depending on what's happening. It's just, you know, the consequences of getting a scene wrong. Most of the time you just cut and, and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> on a race track, you could be ruining yours and everyone else's day. <laughs> did you guys say you went to Silverstone this year? Yeah, we did. Yes. How was it? Because I've never we done did. the Silverstone Grand Prix. And I really want to do oh, it. Oh, Nick, you'd love it. Oh. If only you knew quite a famous Formula One team to get you with paddock access. Mm. But, <laughs> but when you are in the paddock with Ferrari, we would uh, we would love to hang out at Silverstone. We had we had such a great weekend, Betty. It was your first, wasn't it? Yeah, Nick, I don't know how many Grand Prix you've been to, but that was my first. And honestly, like it was bigger, better than anything I could have expected. And we were quite lucky. We, we managed to get quite good access we got quite close to the cars and they're so loud and it's just it's almost like it's a wild animal <laughs> if you get what I mean like when you're in the garage and you're watching it there with all these people around it yeah. but then also mm. like as a scale it's so much bigger than I expected it to be and it's just like full of fans and yeah incredible have you been to Singapore Grand Prix by any chance I have been to Singapore yeah oh. yeah I have been to Singapore great great race and I remember Robbie Williams performed when we were in Singapore. Um, <laughs> so I got to sing along Legend. to Angels, which was very nice. Did you walk the grid? Did you did you chat to Martin Brundle? Were you sort of paraded around? I did walk the grid. I, I didn't talk to Martin. Not through not wanting to. I would, I would love to chat to him <laughs> at some point. I just don't think I'm at a level where he's like, uh, interested to talk to me when I'm on the grid. He's kind of like, who's this? What's going on? I don't on? think that's true. But I am lucky. I've got to walk the grid there and, and at Melbourne. Uh, Montreal a couple of times because that's where we used to film X-Men and, and so we'd be there during the summer and we'd get to go to those races. I went to Miami oh, last fantastic. year. And Hockenheim, went to Hockenheim, oh. which Hockenheim was probably my worst experience because we'd, we'd been out in Berlin the, the day or night before and then got down there and was incredibly hungover. <laughs> I remember being there and just being like, <laughs> the F1 paddock is not, the F1 is not really the sport on a hangover. Yeah. Just loud noises. And just <laughs> yeah, like, noisy, yeah, smelly, hot. intense. <laughs> but you genuinely relish those sorts of invitations because you do see people on the grid that are kind of there because their PRs have gone, this would be a good thing to be seen at. 
this would be a really good go go and walk along there and, and but you're walking through it with an appreciation not only of the people that put the sport together and broadcast the sport but now as as a person who drives fast in a car you're you are sort of partly aware of how what's going through those drivers heads you must have a new appreciation of it oh yeah i love i love it watching you know that was the interesting thing i was like in miami i got to go into the ferrari garage and it was on the on the qualifying there and that was before we went out charles was just sat with a little pencil and notepad and he was just making notes about the last session and what what was about to happen and i mean i didn't get to see it obviously i'd love to have seen what, what his notes were maybe he was just doodling i don't know but they were like oh yeah he always has his no- he always has his notebook <laughs> just drawing a picture yeah it's just, it was just writing go fast <laughs> it was interesting to see him and like to watch the drivers in those quiet moments when they're like preparing and doing their kind of little routines mm. one of the most fascinating things i ever learned was at one point i was speaking to one of the red bull team and, and this was quite a few years back and they were like oh yeah we've got a 3d printer and if we see something on a car or we figure out something back in HQ or whatever, we can send the piece to the 3D printers here and we can have it on the car this weekend. What? I don't know if that was like top secret. Wow. That's oh my God. <laughs> that's amazing. It's, it's accurate. I've seen the 3D printers. You've seen it? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw one at Red Bull's factory, Nick. That's not like some terrible thing I shouldn't be talking about, right? No, sod it, it's fine. So they just have those with them. That's amazing. That's, it's so wild. The circus that travels around is so, so wild, isn't it? Insane. Nick, I asked you about if you'd been to Singapore, because obviously that's our next race this weekend. What do you think yeah. people can expect from Singapore? What did you love about the, the track, about the race, about everything about it? Well, I mean, night races just have a special feel to them. That's a big, a big element of it. F1 is a spectacle anyway, but that city, in terms of some of the design and the the, the gardens and the and the architecture and everything, it's just it feels very in keeping with the the glitz, I suppose, of of F1. And Robbie Williams was fantastic. <laughs> go on then, Nick. Before we let you go, who's winning this weekend? What's the podium? Pick you one, two, three. Uh, okay, I would. Uh, Max is winning, and then it's going to be. I see a good weekend for Alonso and then one of the Ferrari drivers, either Sainz or Charles. So two, two and three between, between Alonso and, and Charles Leclerc, let's say. Mm. Does that sound like remotely All right. might happen? Maybe not. Well, I don't know. Christian, what, where, where's your brain going for Singapore? You know it quite well. What's, uh, what's, what's the form looking like for the drivers? Well, it's bloody hot in Singapore, as I'm sure Nick found out. And also, they've taken away some corners this year. So it's the only time we'll ever have this sort of layout of the Singapore track because they are um, doing some building work around the grandstand. So in the last bit of the track, four corners have gone and it's a bit faster, which I'm really looking forward to because I find the Singapore track a bit fiddly and a bit slow and a bit windy and I think it's overcomplicated. So I actually think it could give us a better Grand Prix. But because it is still a bit twisty and quite hot, it's not dissimilar to Hungary. But therefore, I think you might see Mercedes being a little bit quicker. That sort of constant evolving and changing battle for second might swing a bit back towards Mercedes and a bit further away from Ferrari, sadly for Nick and his, his, of course, close personal friends, Charles and Carlos. (laughs) His best mates. (laughs) But I think Nick's spot on. I think it'll be a good Alonso weekend. And I think we'll... I'm going to go with... A, a top four of Verstappen first, Hamilton second, Alonso third, and Perez fourth. Why not? I think that'll be our top four. I look forward to, to watching and seeing that. Greg, what are you saying? 
I think Max is due uh, a, a non-serious crash. Okay, yeah, he'll be absolutely fine, and so will everyone else around him. <laughs> I think something might happen where he's taken out. Oh, I think there will be a. I think there'll be a, a McLaren on the podium. Oh, I think there, there'll be a Merc, and it might just be George. Oh, okay, so we'll go for a McLaren, a Mercedes. And then because Nick's here, one of his Ferrari friends. <laughs> I like it. I think Mercedes two, three, and then Verstappen first. Well, I've told you he's already crashed. So I don't know why you're even saying that. No, sure. Greg, you do like a left field prediction, though, and they don't always come true. I don't think they've ever come true. <laughs> no, if he keeps saying it, at some point, you will be proved right. Yeah, at some point, And then people will go back and they'll be like, wow, he knew. He really knows his, he really knows his stuff, huh? <laughs> Nick, while we've got you here, I'm going to really abuse this situation. And I would like you to put a good word into the Ferrari camp because we are yet to get... <laughs> either of their drivers on this podcast and we would love to speak to them well yeah when i when i see some of the ferrari people next i think in a couple of weeks i'll, I'll just happen to mention yeah just tell them what a laugh you had just drop it in yeah, yeah. super casual hey, by the way guys that's such a laugh on this podcast i don't know if you... <laughs> no thank you very much for having me on. it has been very fun nick thank you so much for your time it's been really brilliant to talk to you about your your real like, huge passion for racing and um thank you we wish you all the best for it and we will see you at the le mans 24 hour race yes i'll see you there in, in i think seven years but if not i'll see you at one of the f1 races before, before that. <laughs> i'll see you in seven years <laughs> nick such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much thanks nick thank you nice one have a, have a lovely evening guys i'm looking forward to watching the race now and seeing who who got the prediction right definitely not great Add me to the group chat. Very welcome in the group <laughs> chat. Nice one, gang. 